20, Nix's Secret, Part 1. An eerie feeling crept over Nix, and she stopped struggling to escape. The fire was in Midland, across the river, like in her dream. Had she somehow known it would happen? No, it was a coincidence. She hadn't done anything wrong. She simply had a freaky dream, probably brought on by the butternut squash baby food she'd had for dinner. McGuckin hung up, thrust Nix into a corner chair, and positioned himself in front of the door again. Nix rubbed her wrist, relieved not to be touching him anymore. Now, out of arm's reach, she almost felt brave. What is it I'm supposed to have done? she asked, a defiant edge to her voice. That's what you're gonna tell the cops when they get here. Until then, keep your mouth shut. What was happening? Surely McGuckin could tell she had no clue what was going on. He may have been brutal, but he wasn't a dimwit. Nix wanted to scream that she didn't know anything about any fire, but even as she thought it, something told her it was a lie. She decided to take McGuckin's advice and keep quiet. It must have been a slow day for Woods Cross PD, because eight minutes later, there was a knock on the frosted glass of the office door. McGuckin opened it. Vice Principal, the young male secretary said with a glance at Nix, did you call for the police? Send them in. The young man stepped back. A beefy officer sauntered in and took off his cap revealing freshly buzzed hair. Nix groaned softly. Crotty's eyes looked hungrily around the room, eventually falling on the only other person in the tiny office. Isn't that Patty Wax, girl? He shot McGuckin a doubtful look and adjusted his gun belt. Tell the cop what you told me, McGuckin said. I didn't tell you anything, Nix said, ready to spill the whole story. But Crotty was now glaring at McGuckin. Sir, I'm a law enforcement officer, not a cop. McGuckin rolled his buggy eyes until they looked like red speckled ping-pong balls. Whatever. Just ask her what she said. I really didn't say any, Nix trailed off. It was clear Crotty wasn't listening. Thank you, sir, he said, but I don't need you to tell me how to do my job. I've conducted over two hundred interviews. Well, get on with it, McGuckin nearly shouted. I called you because I have a student practically confessed to starting the fire, and you come in and argue with me? Nix wasn't sure what to do. She felt a little relieved they had turned on each other rather than joining forces to get her the death penalty, but it wasn't exactly how she'd pictured spending her second day of school. After a few more patronizing comments from both men, Crotty examined Nix. Finally, he seemed to be listening. It was her chance to declare her innocence. I don't know what he's... You don't need to speak unless I ask you a question, Crotty said. Is that clear? Nix nodded. McGuckin's smug smile returned as Nix once again became the center of attention. Now, Mr. McGuckin, Crotty said, will you please tell me? That's Vice Principal McGuckin. Officer Crotty looked like he might start shouting again. Instead, he walked to the door and held it open. Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to step outside while I question the girl. I can't have you. This is my office, McGuckin shouted, saliva running down his cheek. And no two-bit patrolman is going to send me out of my own. You'll do what I tell you and watch your slimy mouth, you piece of... That's enough. The officer and vice principal looked sheepishly at the tall man standing in the open doorway. A flood of relief washed over Nix. Sergeant, Crotty croaked as if he'd suddenly lost his voice. This guy was interfering with police work. Enough. May I come in, vice principal? McGuckin seemed torn but muttered, of course. Sergeant Frost stepped into the room and did a double-take when he saw Nix sitting in the corner. What is Nix doing here? McGuckin shut the door with sinister finality. She's the one I called about. Nix whack didn't start any fire, 
Sergeant Frost said. Well, then she knows who did. McGuckin was starting to raise his voice again. She was talking about it in class. Sergeant Frost pulled a chair from against the wall and sat in front of Nix. How are you, Nix? He asked with a tired smile. Well, it hasn't been the best day so far. Do you know anything about the fire last night? The other two men stepped closer. Honestly, I don't even know what fire they're talking about. Filthy liar, McGuckin said. She knew about him getting trapped. Please don't interrupt us, Sergeant Frost said calmly, his eyes still on Nix's face. Nix, last night there was a fire at Mr. Urbanek's house. It was going pretty good before he woke up, and he had a little trouble getting out. Nix felt the heat drain from her face. She had heard his screams. But how? It was a stupid dream. She realized everyone was waiting for a response. Is he okay? Luckily, he was able to get a phone, and the Midland Fire Department came and helped him out a window. His house wasn't so fortunate. Nick sat in silence. What could she say that would convince them she was innocent? He lives on the outskirts of town, Sergeant Frost said. Oh, no other homes were in danger, but they had quite a time keeping the fire from the trees. Big mess, Crotty said over Sergeant Frost's shoulder. Whoever started that fire is facing some serious prison time. Attempted murder at the very least. The Midland PD hasn't determined the cause of the fire yet, Sergeant Frost said. But Mr. Urbanek insists it was arson. Well, it wasn't me, Nick said in a small voice. It was a relief to know what she was being accused of, but the strange feeling that somehow she had something to do with it kept her from answering with much confidence. Outside, the growl sounded, announcing the end of the school day and the noisy, stir-crazy students filled the hallway. Would Jordan wait around for his detention or get out while he could? Nix, what did Vice Principal McGuckin hear you talking about in class? Nix cleared her throat. <clears throat> well, he didn't hear me say anything. It was Walter Snodgrass. She hesitated. Her first instinct had been to tell Sergeant Frost exactly what had happened, but now she realized how ridiculous it would sound. If she confessed she had dreamed about someone being trapped in a fire on the exact same night one occurred... They'd suspect she was covering for someone, or worse, that she really was guilty, and a convenient dream was the best alibi she could come up with. Nix knew she had to tell something that made sense and was easy to believe. Otherwise, she'd be the number one suspect. Spit it out, whack, McGuckin said. Or maybe we should bring Snodgrass in here. Nix forced herself to maintain eye contact with Sergeant Frost. I heard some girls talking about it at lunch. I thought they were talking about a movie or something but then I heard someone say they saw smoke across the river this morning. Officer Crotty sat on McGuckin's desk and folded his club-like arms. And who are all these people you happen to hear talking about the crime? Nick squinted at the thought of buttons bouncing off the walls. I don't know their names, but I was just asking Jordan if he'd heard anything about a fire when Walter overheard. I swear, I don't know who did it or anything. She's obviously lying, McGuckin said. Take her to the station and do a polygraph. We can bring in Ted to do it this afternoon, Crotty said. For a moment, there was silence. A bead of sweat trickled from her hairline down her cheek. The little office had become stifling. Sergeant Frost scrutinized her face. Nix, it is a little strange that students would already be talking about the fire a town away. Our department only found out about it this morning. Midland didn't even notify the press. The only reason I knew about it, McGuckin said, was because Owen called this morning to say he needed the week off. Sergeant Frost continued to look at Nix for a few moments, as if trying to read her eyes. Finally, he stood and turned to the other men. On the other hand, I don't suppose a house can burn down near a highly populated area without a few people noticing. 
and it's even less likely that Nix had anything to do with it. But Sarge, we should at least give her the test, Crotty said. I don't think Midland has any suspects. Sergeant Frost's lips went thin. Give them time to finish their scene investigation before we start accusing students. Ridiculous, McGuckin said. But that's the whole point, Sarge, Crotty said in a surprisingly whiny voice. By that time, everyone in the town will know about the fire, and there will go our best leads. Those that know about it are in on it. If it was arson, Sergeant Frost said, these things have a way of surfacing, especially if the person is proud of his work. And for this 15-year-old girl, I think we've heard everything we need to know. McGuckin scowled at Nix, as if to warn her he'd be watching her closely, then opened the door. Dream about that house, Crotty looked at Nix as if trying to rack her with guilt sufficient to cause a spontaneous confession. Nix left, but not before she saw McGuckin advance on Sergeant Frost. Speaking of shame, we need to discuss your son. What happened in there? Jordan and Tiago stood at the office reception desk. Oh, McGuckin being himself, she mumbled. There was no way she was going to announce to the crowded office that she was the number one suspect in the county arson case. Jordan's eyes pleaded for more, but he was savvy enough not to press the issue. He handed Nix her books. Yesterday was the last day to change classes. Now if you want to change our schedule, we have to get it approved. Nix shook her head. Right now wouldn't be the best time to try and get McGuckin's signature. We're here to see Weatherwalks, Tiago said with a grin. You let him sign stuff? Nix asked. He is principal, Jordan said. Come with us. I'm getting out of chemistry while I can. Tiago has home ec last period, and he says it's super easy. Well, whatever we do, Nick said, you better get out of sight. McGuckin and your dad are having a conversation in his office, and they're likely to come hunting for you. My dad? Jordan slipped by the receptionist, who was tied up with a phone call, and disappeared around the corner. Nick and Tiago followed as discreetly as possible. Come in, came a serene voice from the other side of the door. In a flash, all three of them stood inside the door, safely closed behind them. Oh, welcome, welcome, Principal Weatherwax said. He produced a bowl of hard tack candy from his desk. Have a sweetie. Nix couldn't help but stare. No one really saw the principal much. She'd forgotten how ancient he was. His bright eyes shone through his thick glasses like jewels set in a mound of misshapen clay. A full head of Einsteinian white hair shot out in one direction, as if he'd only gotten around to combing half of it. He turned to examine each of them individually, and his sharp nose quivered. His gigantic ears seemed to slide down his neck like candle wax. It's been quite some time since a student came to visit, the principal said in a wheezy voice. I was starting to think everyone was on summer vacation. Nix and Jordan exchanged glances and tried not to smile. Please have a sweetie, he said again. Reluctantly, Nix extended her hand and discovered the candy had all fused together from the humidity. She finally chipped a piece off and pretended to put it in her mouth. Delicious, she said. Mr. Weatherwax stood and caught Nix in a grandfatherly embrace. Oh, how I've missed the beautiful girls coming in to eat my candy. Nix glanced at Jordan, hoping he'd get the idea and distract the principal with the schedule forms. To Nix's disappointment, Jordan and Tiago only laughed silently. Mr. Weatherwax rubbed Nix's back and talked about how his deceased wife used to make cobbler for all the students, and how much the kids loved to visit the two of them after school. Nix tried not to breathe in the smell of unwashed clothes and muscle rub. Jordan was definitely going to pay for this one. The principal did eventually release Nix, and the visit turned out to be very productive, although she did have to endure two more creepy embraces. 
After they were safely out of the admin building and walking toward the buses, Nix shivered with disgust. You are so dead, Jordan. Nix rubbed at her clothes, trying to get rid of the old people smell. At least you guys got out of chemistry, Tiago said. A whole week of McGuckin would have been torture. Jordan smirked. Yeah, it was totally worth the geriatric hugs. Ugh, Nix said. He is so strange. Nix pretended to be shocked. That's a fine thing to say about someone who shared his sweeties with you. Okay, so I do feel a little sorry for him. Students not coming to see him anymore. But that doesn't mean I want him to get all touchy on me. You've had quite the day, Jordan said. At least we don't have to go to detention. Looks like the entire chemistry class escaped as soon as the bell rang. We better get out of sight then, Nick said. So what did McGuckin say to you in there anyway? Jordan asked. Nick hesitated. Of course she wanted to tell Jordan, but she wasn't sure how Tiago would respond. She'd already made a fool out of herself at the Abendroths. She didn't want him to think she was crazy as well. Mm -hmm.